If you don't have an email list, then you don't have a direct line to your customers. Reaching your clients, audience, supporters, and fans with the right message at the right time in the right place becomes easy when you've got a strategic email list in place. My email list is the number one way I drive profits in my business. And major bonus here, it's a lot easier and way more fun than you might think. That's why I'm teaching a free live workshop all about growing your email list called From Zero Subscribers or Zero Strategy to an Engaged Email List That Lasts. I'll show you how to kick off your email list building strategy with no fear because I know it can be scary to start something new in your business. Save your virtual seat at growanemaillist.com. Inside of my free live workshop, you'll learn why email marketing is 10 times more effective than posting on social media, my secret to sending out weekly emails without adding a ton of work to my plate, my best tips for getting people to hit subscribe, and what to actually say to them to convert them from subscribers to paying clients and customers. Save your seat now at growanemaillist.com. That's growanemaillist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. Like the fact that millions of people are quitting in a recession right now, that's astounding to me. Like we've never seen that in our lifetime. And it just goes to show it's just that people are kind of standing up for their own. Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher, and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing, numbers, and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. I'm a small town mama who took a $300 camera, grew a successful photo biz, and now I work from home and run a seven-figure online business. I teach you the tried and true secrets to building a career you adore. Shy away from the real talk? (laughs) No way. Money, hardship, growth, loss, and marketing are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as your one-stop shop for happy hour with a gal pal mixed with business school. Pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. This is the Gold Digger Podcast. Workplace culture is critical to the happiness and the success of your employees, and by extension, the happiness and the success of your business. Current research shows that 74% of employees feel company culture is important to their job satisfaction. And from that same survey, only 65% of employees have that job satisfaction that they want. Jen Lim is the CEO of Delivering Happiness, a company that she co-founded with the late CEO of Zappos.com to create happier company cultures for a more profitable and sustainable approach to business. Jen's mission is both simple and yet profound, to teach businesses how to cultivate cultures that generate profit, sustain all people at every level of the organization, and support the health of the planet. If you have a team or want a team, or if you just want to create a culture of happiness while your business is at the stage of me, myself, and I, well, this conversation is for you. Let's talk about happiness at work, how it's changed in the last two years, and what it means to tend our greenhouses. This is going to be good. Here she is, Jen Lim. Since I joined the HubSpot Podcast Network, I've been introduced to so many new business podcasts, and I can't resist sharing the goodness with you. If you're a creative business owner or thinking about becoming one, you're going to want to start listening to the Being Boss podcast. Being Boss is an exploration of not only what it means, but what it takes to be a boss as a creative business owner, a freelancer, or a side hustler. Emily Thompson explores topics that I know will be relevant to you because we talk about them here on Gold Digger too. 
She features episodes like Rituals for Creativity, Project Management, and Building Systems for Creatives and Freelancers, and Taking Time Off as a Business Owner, which is perfect because tis the season for some time off. Tune in to the Being Boss podcast with Emily Thompson wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, Jen, I am so excited to have this conversation with you today. Welcome to the Gold Digger podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Honored to be here. Yes. Okay. So I am so curious about your career trajectory. I ask every guest kind of give me the story, but how does one become an expert on happiness? Tell me how this all unfolded for you. Uh, well, basically, I was the antithesis of happiness growing up. Uh, I was the total cynic and you know, just basically really asking existential questions about life. And, and I really landed it in a way that was very unexpected just because I think for me, just coming up like in my upbringing of being, uh, I'm Asian American and uh, I'm a California girl at the same time. I've been born and raised here. But with that kind of upbringing, you know, like a lot of immigrants, you're supposed to be a doctor or a lawyer, all those things. And, uh, you know, when I got into that sort of formula, I realized it just didn't feel right because I, I was doing all the right things, you know, checking off success boxes. Like, you know, I was yes. getting into good school. I got into UC Berkeley. I was pre-med. You know, I had you know, several years of piano under my belt, you know, all those things. But then I just realized something was off. So for me, I just started wandering and and I majored in something that my parents were really not happy about, which was Asian American studies. Because when I told them about that, they're like, Asian American studies, you know, like come home more often, we'll tell you what your Asian American studies is all about. Why are we paying for this yeah. again? But through all those cycles, and then I actually graduated. And luckily for me, the internet was born. Uh, so that was the first dot com back in the day. And it was a heyday. I mean, it was like, you know, money title status just fell in my lap, pretty much as we all know how the dot com boom went. But then as we also know, the dot com busted. And I lost, you know, not just the money title status, but all around the same year, 9-11 happened. And I found out my dad had stage three colon cancer all in one year. So for me, I realized that money title status stuff really didn't mean that much to me at all. So that's when I started wandering into other things that I needed more to find more purpose in my life. And so that's how I came across this whole body of scientific happiness. Actually, it was around the time I met Tony Shea, my co-founder and the uh, late CEO of Zappos. And we started geeking out on scientific happiness and positive psychology. And I just would never realized like all these existential questions I was asking myself, like, what is this all for? What am I here for? Was being studied and for positive things, like not focusing on what's wrong with us, but actually focusing on what's right with us. So I just totally turned into this curiosity seeker of what that all meant for myself. So that's what uh, led me into happiness. 
Oh my goodness. You know, what's crazy, Jen, is when I was in college, both my husband and I were communication majors. We met in college and we actually watched a case study on Zappos and their company culture. Is that not crazy? Oh, no way. (laughs) Yes. And I remember like that you had a really cool workstations and they had time encouraged to play and things like that. And I just remember thinking, man, how cool would it be to work at a company like that? Because that was still when a lot of the textbooks painted success in the ways Mm -hmm. that you talked about, you know, and it's just crazy to like see this full circle conversation. Cause I'm like, we were literally studying this as a case study while you were probably working on it. So what was that path like then you start to dig into happiness in your own life. How Mm -hmm. does that translate into becoming someone that is also kind of teaching and facilitating and giving people a different approach in the workplace? I think, well, I guess what became this, you know, sort of curiosity that Tony and I had about this stuff, it was being tested, you know, at Zappos at the time. And it's funny Mm -hmm. that you were studying it as a case study because it was just basically knowing that, hey, if we want companies to last and we actually need to prioritize profits too, because if there's no profits, there's no happiness to talk about for companies. But knowing that, you know, that's a given on the profit side, like how do you make sure people wake up and want to get to work and actually want to be there with their, not just coworkers, but actually friends. And therefore you'll see that, you know, in the the longer term impact of culture and sustainability of a company. So we're just starting to practice and, and use these sort of tools and levers of academic research and applied it to the organization. And to me, Zappos felt like a Petri dish <laughs> of experimentation mm-hmm. <laughs> of all these things that you can apply. So like, according to the science, like there's a few fundamental levers on how to increase your own happiness as an individual. And so what I think we did differently was try to apply that on an organizational level. So as an example, some of the levers are senses of control or autonomy. So making sure you feel like making sure people feel a sense of, you know, authenticity, like being true, as Zappa said, weird to their authentic self and showing up in that way and inviting, you know, that kind of an environment for that. Another lever is like progress, you know, making sure people feel like they're moving or developing or learning or growing. So even if you have like a startup environment that you can create milestones along the way so it doesn't feel like this, you know, unending job or unending project because you can celebrate these things. That increases happiness. A third thing is connectedness. And this is big, especially right now, but now I would say it's more sense of belonging. But making sure there's the depth and, and the breadth of relationships in the environment are real. And they're not just like happy hour type things, but actually getting to know each other as human beings. And the last lever that we've seen across all the studies and and applied is a sense of purpose. And I know that word gets used a lot these days, but back then it was kind of like, well, this does make sense. You know, like people do want to be part of something bigger than themselves and they want to be, you know, and companies should be in this, not just to, you know, make more money. There is something more to what companies can stand for as a higher purpose. So that's how it all kind of translated. It was like reading this like really super interesting academic stuff and saying, well, how can we apply that to a company? 
It's amazing that you were working with someone that was open to exploring those things. <laughs> I think a lot of times, you know, when you talk about like business and you look at profitability and startup and and the whole like hustle culture that our world finds itself in, I think it's beautiful that you found a teammate that was like, well, let's try these things. Mm-hmm. Do you remember like the first thing you implemented and how employees reacted? Like, are there any instances where you're like, I remember people just being shocked that this was something we were promoting as a company culture. Oh, wow. One of the first things, let's see, because there was just so many things that, you know, Zappos did that was so different from like being the early stage, you know, like part of the whole dot-com boom thing. So you could say like the more operational stuff like, you know, free return shipping for shoes at that time was just insane. Like for anything was insane. It was just yep. like, wait, I've never heard of that. Why would I, you know, and companies so now it's, you know, it's par for the course. But back then, I think what was really fun working together with Tony and, and at Zappos was that every idea would be sort of more flipped on his head, you know, like it was the counter idea of what to put out there. And so on a cultural side, I I think one of the more interesting ones was when they started paying people to quit. So essentially, yeah. (laughs) So essentially for, you know, people coming in and uh, recruits and, and candidates, they would go through a training process. And during that process, they would be offered at that time, it was only a few hundred bucks or whatever, but it steadily grew and grew and grew for people to quit. And and the whole sort of mantra there was that if you are willing to take this money, that just means that you're not the right, you know, fit, not not to say it's personal by any means, but the reason why, you know, culture is so important there is like, these are our values. This is our higher purpose. If you align with that, then you'll be a great part of this team. And so, yeah, that was an interesting kind of t- one of those experiments that they did and it worked. And the reason why I kept on going up more and higher and higher in how much people got paid was because not enough people quit. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, yeah. if you do the math, yeah, and if you do the math, it actually like saves them money because yeah. after you do a hire and it's a wrong hire and then you have to do the you know, the whole process over whole again. Offboarding process. Yeah. Right. And it, it just cost them wow. uh, the company even more. So that was like Amazing. one of the interesting things that, <laughs> tests that we did. <laughs> so I am so curious, like, what have you seen in companies that totally miss the mark when it comes to cultivating workplace happiness? I think that for a lot of companies, specifically in the last few years, with all that the world has been through, people were just kind of in survival mode and and job satisfaction has significantly declined. So mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you've witnessed kind of in these transformative years where companies are just missing the mark and it's showing in the data that we're seeing about workplace happiness? Yeah, especially now, like you, you just nailed it, right? Like the the fact that millions of people are quitting in a recession right now, that's astounding yes. to me. Like we've never seen that in our lifetime. And it just goes to show it's just that people are kind of standing up for their own. And whether they call it the great resignation or uh, what I see it as a great awakening, because, you know, yes. we had some time <laughs> during the last year and a half, 18 plus months to really think 
and reflect on, you know, what is really most important to me? How do I want to wake up in the morning and feel like I'm actually spending every minute of my life meaningfully? So I think this is what's causing this, this amazing sort of status in our statistic in terms of people quitting. And why I think people are missing the mark is, you know, back in the day, we, you know, the, the dot-com stuff, we saw all the, the glory of, you know, oh, you got to have like ping pong tables and rec rooms and sleeping rooms <laughs> and all that. And, and we all know now that that's just superficial. I mean, it's, you know, it's fun, but it's very like what we call it extrinsic. You know, it's, it's nothing that really adds to our own personal meaning. So now what we're seeing is the more intrinsic stuff is important. So instead of like the bonuses, instead of like, you know, you know, anything that can like having a, a promotion or things like that, those are all extrinsic things. But when you hit intrinsically and that really gets to the core of who we are as human beings, that's what I think people are missing when they hear happiness because they automatically think it's like these ping pong tables and red bulls, but it really is more about who we are inside as human beings. And that comes to, as I spoke to earlier, like a sense of like, autonomy and freedom and authenticity and ultimately a sense of uh, connectedness and, and belonging and purpose. So I think that's evolved a lot, but we definitely have a lot to get to that point of treating us as people, as human beings and holistically at this time, especially. Yeah. One of my best friends was, we were sitting down and talking just about career and, and opportunities and she was just talking about how how unsatisfied she was at her job, but then she kept having that caveat of all the perks that they get. And mm -hmm. I finally paused and I was like, do you enjoy those perks? Like, are those <laughs> perks even valuable to you in your life? Like they're selling it to you like it is valuable, but it doesn't <laughs> sound like to me that you even enjoy those things. And I totally agree with you on what people visualize as like a cool company culture, but mm -hmm. it's like, are those ping pong tables even being used? Like, is there even <laughs> time to take a nap in the nap room? Like, you know, and I think especially with this more digital shift that we've all been forced into where so many people are now living where they work and working where they live, Mm -hmm. It's up to a company to kind of figure out like, well, how do we navigate that? So what have you seen come out of it that especially as, you know, work as we know it has shifted for a lot of people that are lucky enough and privileged enough to work from home? Mm -hmm. How can companies kind of foster happiness in the workplace when we are disconnected? When you said one of those big key factors is that feeling of belonging. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, a huge question that people have been asking for sure. But even before the pandemic. So what I think is, you know, I kind of joke about it, half joke about it. Like, let's not let a good pandemic go to waste. I mean, this has happened for a reason and let's embrace what that means. And so for me, seeing that there's there was companies even before this that worked really well remotely and they were able to integrate this whole ability to connect, even though they were like, you know, not in the same office. And so yeah. what I think is the biggest things is that being able to establish the things that I mentioned earlier, you know, like having that sense of culture and those levers. But what's been most resonant is being able to establish those purpose and values that I've been talking about as well. When you have not just words on the wall that like, hey, this is our higher purpose and this is our values, <laughs> but actually live them. And you see when people gravitate 
to wanting to live them. And the key there is that even with companies that have these really, you know, amazing purpose and values, until you actually connect people to them, because at the end of the day, you want them to be living their purpose and values. And so a really simple exercise is just having them identify their purpose and values for themselves, stand alone. And then you can see how, like, if you do this together with a, a team, you know, like a team or a function, and then have people share them and see how they align or not align with that of the companies. And then it's amazing that so many people's purposes that they did not realize before actually align with each other and connect directly to that of the company. And that can happen with, you know, any size of company, any size of team to get to the root of, again, authenticity. And so for those companies that are treating people holistically so that they're talking about not just their skill set, but all aspects of them, including, and this is a huge one now, right? Like mental health. Like, where are you mentally? Where are you emotionally? Where are you physically? And where are you relationally? And where are you financially? And and all these questions are so super legit. And to have those honest dialogues, and it's not to say that, you know, companies or CEOs have to fix those, all those things at one time. But as a human being, if we can have these honest, transparent conversations, then it becomes a journey, you know, it becomes this, how can I help here or how can I help there? And let's celebrate this and let's work on this, you know, and then it becomes like, oh, okay, they actually care about me. And, and it becomes a situation where as a CEO or a leader, you don't have to be the mechanic, you don't have to fix everything, but you can be the mirror for yourself as an authentic leader, and for the people that you lead. All right. So you might have heard me talk about CRM platforms and wondered, what the heck does that acronym even mean? A CRM is a customer relationship management platform. It takes any customer interaction like a sale from your website or clicking onto your weekly newsletter, and it transforms that data into valuable insights. Insights like, when do my customers shop? And do my emails really get opened more on a Monday? A HubSpot CRM platform is ready to help connect the dots between your business and your customers like never before. HubSpot is consistently working to make its products more connected than ever. Improved forecasting tools give you a bird's eye view of your entire pipeline to see what's around the corner. You can see how your quarter is going, inspect new deals, and use customizable data-driven reports to improve team performance as you grow. With custom behavioral events, you can get into the details of what makes your customers tick. You can track site behavior and understand your customers' buying habits all within the platform. Learn more about how a HubSpot CRM platform can help connect the dots of your business at HubSpot.com. Hey, Gold Diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. 
Article's customer is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash golddigger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash golddigger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Mm, I think that's so beautiful. And I think, honestly, (laughs) when you're talking, it's like, these are just things as human beings that we should be doing. Mm -hmm. It's like getting past the, how are you doing question and diving into the like, how are you really, you know what I mean? I think it's beautiful to challenge, you know, a lot of my listeners, you know, they might have just a VA or they might have a small team or contractors or, you know, a team of three or four. Mm -hmm. And I think it's beautiful because I think this encourages us to really let people show up to work, whether it's remote or in person as their whole selves, not just Mm -hmm. the skill set or, you know, their expertise, but like as a whole human being. And I think that when we're able to do that, we do feel more connected to one another, but also to that purpose, because we Mm -hmm. can see how the different roles we play maybe outside of work can also support the work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It. That's And that's the exact beauty of it too, because you don't have to be that board member or that CEO to implement these things. It really is. Yes. You just look around you. Who are you with? You know, these are the people that are going to like the majority of the time people quit is because of their boss. It's not because of their CEO or something else. So just looking around and basically carving out what you can control, because there's a lot, as we know, as we learned, <laughs> as 2020 has slammed us in the face, like, <laughs> there's a lot we cannot control. So what can we do? And of course, we can yeah. focus on ourselves, focus on grounding our own purpose and value so we can wake up with that feeling of, you know, hell yes, I'm going to do this because this is aligned with who I am. And then, of course, connect it with the, the team around that we can. And so it's one of the big things I talk about in the book is called the adaptive age. And I'm calling this the adaptive age because now more than ever, you know, it's just basically control what we can around us and and let go and embrace what we can't. And then we are able to adapt in a way that flows with authentically who we are, number one, yes. and then chaos can swirl around us, but that's okay because we have everything we need within our realm and reach. Mm, I think that's beautiful. One thing that you talk about that I love is about tending your greenhouse. What does that mean and why is it important? Yeah. So I think as leaders and this, I really had to process a lot (laughs) during writing this book. And of course, I mean, everyone had a crazy 2020. And I, you know, going through those things along the way of just, we just, we knew, you know, we kind of knew these things were coming of a pandemic, a recession, you know, social unrest and injustice and and so all these factors were within the realm of possibility. We just didn't know it would happen all one year. And then for me, my co-founder, you know, Tony passed away in November of last year. And this was when I was supposed to finish the book. I was five weeks away on the due date. And I just really had to process it all. I mean, and what I came to was that 
you know, as leaders, we have a tendency and, and want to truly like help others, you know? And so in some ways that's a great thing. That's part of like what we're, you know, part of our purpose, part of our, you know, what we're doing that's beyond ourselves. But sometimes we forget to tend our own greenhouse and to nurture our own as we're doing all these different things around us. So that's why I wanted to make it a point in the book to talk about as we grow other greenhouses and it's so like in some ways such an amazing time to be alive, even albeit what's happened since 2020, because we can do and test so many different things in our lives that even our, my parents, you know, my parents were still figuring out how to, you know, put food on the table a lot of the time. So there's a lot of gratitude in that. And so with that, we want to do all these things and we want to help others grow, but sometimes we forget how to tend our own greenhouse. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like, you know, and when you're going on planes and you hear the whole message about oxygen mask, you know, putting that on first. And maybe we don't remember that because we're not on planes as much anymore, but it's like such a, a reality of it's counterintuitive, but it's really what we need to be able to do all these things we want to do for others is to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves first. Mm, I love that. One thing that I got asked recently, and I was like, I have the perfect guest to answer this question. So hold, please. <laughs> was someone was saying they work a nine to five or they work, you know, like a side job. And they were asking me, how can they advocate for change or positively impact their company culture if it's not coming from management? Like, how can an employee in that position who wants things like boundaries or balance or you know, more belonging, how can somebody impact that if they're not, you know, the top of the tier? Yeah. And it's a lovely question because there's so many of us in that situation. And I kind of alluded to that earlier a little bit in terms of even if you're not the CEO or, uh, or board member, like you can look around like who is your team uh who are you working with like is it people within your function is it cross-functional i think the key here and this is really important because it ties back to the earlier topics around like profitability and all this and what this means for that is that once you can carve out what you think could be your levers of success so if it is you know belonging that you that you're really passionate about and you want to do something differently then I would create these programs or just try and test things out within this team of yours and show with metrics like how this sense of belonging actually increased retention rates or increased production or productivity or, you know, some sort of metric that or metrics that can show the management or the boss or the CEO, et cetera, that, hey, look, by running these programs in culture or belonging, et cetera, we actually were able to achieve this much more. And, you know, no good leader would say, stop being that happy, you know, <laughs> stop running that program of belonging. There's no way, you know, like that's, that's where, you know, the, it's not just the stories behind it, but you put the stats together and you show that progress then it's it becomes a contagious thing. Happiness can be contagious that way because you do want it to, you know, to grow from there. So that's what I would suggest is, you know, carve out what you think could be your success of showing how these programs work and just make sure you quantify it. And I think that naturally it gets it to evolve and develop from there. 
Yeah. Can you share a little bit of the data behind how happiness does increase things like productivity, profitability, efficiency, job satisfaction? Because I, for a lot of people that listen, they love the like science behind it or that data. That's the thing that gets them to take action. So are there any mm-hmm. numbers that you can share with us that will really enforce this topic and really help us as leaders, whether we're leading our families or companies or even just employees in a position where we can have that sort of leadership that will help us to implement what you're teaching? Yeah, of course. I mean, I would love to. I mean, I, I like to make it specific in these kind of cases because it, it varies so much. But for example, like in terms of uh, retention, if you can actually create this culture where people want to stay versus having this high rate of turnover, you're saving money at the rate of like 1.5 to two times of that person's salary per person. So if you're thinking about like if you know, especially right now when a lot of people are just leaving their jobs, every single person and it's like, let's just say there's 10 people that's leaving per year or a hundred, just do that calculation in terms of their salary. And you can find a, a number pretty quickly as to how much the, the companies or your team is bleeding in terms of revenue. And on the other side is sales. And so one big thing is it leads to like salespeople, for for example, or sales teams. It's, it's been shown that they can actually increase their sales by two to three times alone just because they're being, they're be, like, they're fundamentally sustainably happy. And that leads to the top line. So instead of thinking about the money that you're hemorrhaging because people are leaving, you can also think about the top line of when you have happier salespeople or customer service reps, like the ability for them to sell and therefore actually like from a numbers perspective, like two to three times of what they normally would sell, that in alone, you can do the calculation of, you know, how that would help your company too. Wow, that's amazing. One thing that I think would be so helpful for our listeners is that so many of our listeners are just starting out. So they're starting their side hustle or their solopreneurs or they're building up their craft so that they can, you know, create a career out of it. And I'm just curious, how can somebody lay a foundation for a culture of happiness that supports profitability even before they make their first hire? What are some things that they can do to really nail down like their company values or what that hiring process will look like or how they're going to be a boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I I think this is actually a great question too, because that's what we learned along the way, that it's never too early to do this. And a lot of times when there's entrepreneurs or solopreneurs that think that they have to get you know the numbers or the goals right, and they think they can do this later, but it actually it gets more difficult and challenging once you get more people on the team, et cetera. So a lot of the exercises that I go over in the book is to try and actually put this into play at the very beginning. And I think the biggest thing for us as entrepreneurs is to be real with ourselves first. And you kind of already mentioned this, like number one, what is truly the purpose of the company? And that comes from, if, if you're like, on your own right now, like it comes from yourself. Like what is truly the purpose of, just imagine if you never made money from that company, like why are you doing this in the first place? And that comes to the authenticity of yourself. So my biggest suggestion is go into the deep dive of actually really 
understanding and mapping out your own purpose and values. And there's a couple of exercises in the book that I talk about, but one of them is, so purpose kind of sounds like, could be kind of daunting, but I just say, just simplify it and just ask yourself very simple questions. Like number one, a draft purpose statement can come from this. Like number one, what energizes you? And this could mean like what fires you up in a good way because you're so happy about it or passionate about it or what just pisses you off. Like it could be something Mm -hmm. that's, you know, from a social justice kind of thing or climate change or, you know, whatever it might be. That's the first question I would ask, what energizes you, negative or positively? The second thing is, what are your talents? And one question asked is that, like, what do people ask of you uh, to do, you know, without even you soliciting it? Because they just see that natural talent in you and they want that, you know, part of you naturally. So that's two, that's the talent. And the third thing is impact. Just ask yourself what impact it is that you would like to make in the world. And you put those three answers together, there in itself, you have, you're starting to have your purpose statement. And I would say, just start leading with that, that how does that tie into the company that you're creating? And then of course, creating your own values. And this is a big part of the why I wrote the book too, and why I talk about authenticity, because happiness comes off as talking about the highs, but what I think we need to be more holistic about is also understanding our lows. So another exercise I talk about is going through your happiness heartbeats, which is what were your own personal highs and lows of your life? And if you just like name three highs, name three lows, like for example, for me was when my dad passed away, when Tony passed away, obviously, or when we scaled Mount Kilimanjaro and that, you know, when I map those things out and I look at each of these points and I ask myself, what values were there or not there? What people were there or not there? That actually starts determining, because it's your highs and lows, what your true values are. And the themes that you see coming out of that actually becomes really, really clear and indicative of what our values are and what we really truly stand for. So that's my first suggestion as a leader before anything of, you know, diving into the craziness of running a business and creating and growing a business is get to know yourself first as much as you can, knowing that it's going to be a hero's journey from there on. But the clarity of that, knowing that things will change and sometimes change uncontrollably and quickly, like last, you know, 18 months around us it's going to be okay because we're grounded in who we are. Gold diggers, we all know the B2B landscape can be a bit complex. From lengthy buying cycles to complicated decision-making processes, reaching your target audience can be tough. But I found a solution tailored just for you. LinkedIn ads. A whopping 79% of B2B content marketers say LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. That's because with LinkedIn ads, you're not just casting a wide net and hoping for the best. You're strategically building relationships and driving real results. We're talking about a platform with over a billion members, including 180 million senior level executives and 10 million C-level executives. You are networking with the actual decision makers. And LinkedIn's targeting and measurement tools are specifically designed for for B2B marketers, meaning you're not wasting time or money on irrelevant leads. In fact, in the tech industry, LinkedIn ads have been shown to generate two to five times higher return on ad spend compared to other social media platforms. 
Using LinkedIn ads allows you to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to industry trends and developments, whether it's finding the perfect partner for a collaboration or uncovering new opportunities for growth. LinkedIn can be your secret weapon. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a hundred dollar credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goal to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goal. Terms and conditions apply. On top of my many titles as mom, entrepreneur, and creative, I've also added host. Drew and I host on Airbnb on our favorite island in Hawaii. We started hosting as a way to make some extra income, and we've had such an easy breezy experience. Now we host year after year, and it's been a fantastic side hustle. Not to brag, but we've also been crowned Airbnb Superhost several times, so we are really killing the game. It's about having spaces we can enjoy as a family while creating memorable experiences for our guests, and it helps that we earn a little extra cash on the side. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Jen, that is amazing. And your book recently came out. So tell us a little bit about it and also tell us where we can get our hands on it. Yeah. So it's called Beyond Happiness, How Authentic Leaders Prioritize Purpose and People for Growth and Impact. Just couldn't get enough words in that subtitle there, but (laughs) I love it. (laughs) But yeah, so it's been 11 years in the making. And after Tony and I launched Delivering Happiness, the book in 2010. Then I started running the company and as an organization, just learned so many things of some things that we talked about right now uh, and how this has impacted organizations of all different sizes. And what's been also incredible is that it's been global. So it's, you know, people think typically, oh, it must be like a tech thing or an American thing. But the beauty of it is that what I've learned and seen is how, how these universal principles of, you know, scientific happiness actually get to the root of who we are as human beings. And when we actually done this with companies and organizations and governments and you know, hospitals around the world, that sense of unity of humanity shines. And so that's why I wanted to capture it in a book and call it Beyond Happiness because I, I wanted people to rethink what happiness might mean to them because certain things kind of get conjured in our head, what we were born with or what, you know, what we're supposed to be happy with extrinsically. But now's the time to actually look with a, a deeper reflection as to what that true sense of holistic happiness could be for us and for the people we lead. But yeah, that's the book and you can find it. I just launched a just the site for it. And it's just on Jen Lim, J-E-N-N-L-I-M.com. And we're also at deliveringhappiness.com, which is the company that's been around for 11 years or so. Incredible. Congratulations. Jen, this was amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise, your heart. And I just think, man, there is no better time than this for this type of book to come out. It is divine by nature in so many ways for so many people that are just seeking what does happiness and fulfillment look like. And I am just so excited as a leader to get my hands on it as well. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for the support. You are the best. I loved this episode so much. You know, I feel like the more conversations I have with friends who are in the workplace, the more I hear those cries that Jen is talking about. People aren't happy. They don't have purpose. 
They're not working with autonomy. They're not feeling that sense of belonging. And that's why we're seeing such a massive shift as we kind of walk out of these last two years and ask ourselves those bigger questions. Am I really happy? Do I feel fulfilled? Is this me living out my purpose? I think it's really begging us to finally get quiet enough to answer those questions. And the answers are showing up in the statistics we're seeing about women, especially leaving the workforce. I think as leaders, this is an incredible challenge for us to create these company cultures that promote all of the things that Jen spoke about, but also just as human beings, helping other people feel those pillars that Jen spoke about in our everyday life. I love the topic of happiness and I love diving deep with incredible guests like Jen Lim. Thank you so much, Gold Diggers, for listening to another episode of the podcast. And until next time, keep on digging your biggest goals. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, head over to golddiggerpodcast.com for show notes and all the discount codes from today's sponsors. And if you're looking for a new crew of movers and shakers like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive community for gold diggers on Facebook. The link's waiting for you at golddiggerpodcast.com. Hey, gold diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer care team is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home, and thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.